Hey, you guys, welcome to the For Liberty and Justice podcast, where we mobilize a church, wake up the city, and take a stand for liberty and justice. My name is Taylor, and I'm so happy to be bringing you the Foundation Series with Josh Moore. Josh, I am so excited to have you in. Today, we are going to be talking about the four features of civil government. Take it away. What are the four features of civil government? Yeah. So this is uh, something really interesting that I have begun to develop um, and uh, not, not to shameless plug here, but I, I put this in a book that I've uh, recently written. Congratulations. And thank you. And uh, working on getting that published. But the four features are law, justice, rights, and liberty. Mm-hmm. And I this was put on my heart. I, I, re- I really felt the Lord put this on my heart because I was going through it and I thought, what makes government. Mm. Like what constitutes what government is. And uh, there's there's a lot of things that obviously go in a way, you know, you could say people, humans make government. Well, okay, sure, sure. But what are the four features that people really get into and have debates about? What are, what are the things that we're discussing these days? And so um, law is really the first one, mm-hmm. right? Um, in, in, in no particular order, uh, but, but law is a really important one. Like what is law? Yeah. Right. What What is law? People, we talk about law a lot and we say, well, law is this or law is that. Law is important because it's a reflection of our not only our values, but it it law both does two things. It enhances freedom, believe it or not, mm-hmm. but it also restricts it and prevents um, wrongs from being done according to our natural rights, which we will get into. But uh I'm going to read some quotes here. Uh, we have James Wilson. James Wilson was a um, founding father, but he also uh, ratified the uh, assisted in ratific- the ratification and signing of the Constitution and Declaration of Independence. And he said, "What we do indeed must be founded on what has uh, what he has done. He being God, and the deficiencies of our laws must be supplied by the perfections of His human law." must rest its authority ultimately upon the authority of that law, which is divine. James Wilson, a founding father and signer of the Constitution and Declaration of Independence, just stated in this quote, every law must be based on a divine law, a superior law to the civil law. That superior law is God's law, or i.e. the law of nature, which is what Jefferson placed in the Declaration of Independence. What does that mean? So, in in essence, it means we can't. <laughs> I know. Look, <laughs> for someone who doesn't read regularly yeah, about yeah. this, what does that mean, and how does it apply to us? So, in in a nutshell, this means when we pass laws, we need to have a standard of what that law is going to be based on, yeah. right? You can't just randomly or arbitrarily come up with a law and say, well, we're just going to have this done. You know, everybody gets a free pony. Everybody gets a free car. You know, we have to have a, a, a systematic um, um, way of thinking about how laws go into place. And so it, it gets into a little bit of what we're going to talk about a little bit later about legislating morality. Mm-hmm. But laws are based on morality. And so therefore, when we pass a law, we have to recognize that it's going to serve the common good mm-hmm. by either enhancing liberty or restricting the liberty of someone who means harm to the common good or general public, like a bad guy stealing or, or hurting somebody or physically yeah. assaulting. So so, so basically, what it sounds like, everything could be, if we wanted to, everything could be legislated. Should it be 
And it's based off of, according to him, the Bible. Yeah, that's exactly. Mosaic law. That's exactly right. Mosaic law is a very important one. Uh, So when we're looking at this, we have Judeo-Christian principles, which goes back to the Bible, specifically goes back to the Old Testament. And then you have the New Testament, which addresses the heart of the matter, right? So we have the Old Testament setting up civil government. We have the New Testament setting up heart and family Mm -hmm. government. And Jesus never revoked civil government. In fact, he said, obey it. (laughs) But Romans chapter 13 also talks about what civil government exists to do, to punish good and to do, punish evil. I shouldn't say that, punish evil and to do good, right? But unfortunately, that's what our government does today is it punishes good. So that was really more of a mm-hmm. a, a moment of levity and okay. explaining, uh, I guess, what the realities of what we're experiencing today. But I also want to point out the importance of law and, and how it's, law shouldn't be complicated. You know, Congress goes in and they go, we have a thousand pages we're expected to read in the next 48 hours. What in the world? And then Congress person, woman or man goes, hmm, well, I actually haven't read a book in three years and now I'm expected to read a thousand pages in the next two days. So Nehemiah 8, two, uh, chapter 8, uh, verse 2 through 3 says, records that Nehemiah read the law before the people. He said, it says, um, then Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men, women, and all who could listen with the understanding. On the first day of the seventh month, he read from it before the square, which was in front of the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of men and women, those who could understand, and all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Now, this was, again, this was Israel under a theocracy. And it works similarly, but the point is the law is a teacher. Mm. So consider this, and this is perhaps a good way to wrap this portion of it up, but Roe v. Wade was the, quote, the law of the land, even though it really wasn't, but it was the law of the land, and that was the perception for 50 years. So now you have two to three, perhaps three, but certainly two generations of people, American citizens being raised to believe that their right to an abortion was just taken away by the government. It was never a right to begin with. That's the importance of a law. It's a law is a teacher. So what are rights? Because we've, we've very, very briefly talked about rights, specifically what are not our rights. We throw that around all the time. It's our right to this. It's our right to this. Yeah. What are our rights? Yeah, absolutely. So we have to make a distinction here. Um, and I'm going to talk about two of them right here, yeah. right off the bat, because we only have limited time with that. But so you have natural rights mm-hmm. and then you have civil rights. Civil rights are really synonymous with constitutional rights. Constitutional rights are just those rights that are listed in the Constitution. So we use that term and it's a good term. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's not specific enough, if that makes sense. It's a very broad term. So then we look at um, civil and constitutional rights. Uh, I should say natural rights. Natural rights are those rights which, generally speaking, man, you don't need the help of man to exercise them outside of being birthed, right? But even a woman can have a birthing kid, you know, and, and her child. But no, every human deserves, has the right to be birthed and live. Now, if they grow up and they do something wrong and they violate the natural law, right, they, they violate some, the civil law, they get punished for it. And perhaps maybe they get the death penalty, depending on where you live and what state you're in. So there's all these punish, punishments associated. But rights do not exist to deprive someone else of their labor. So we talk about like right to abortion, for example. Well, there is no right to an abortion. And I'm just going to touch up on this real quick. Um, it's actually a great way to uh, to sort of talk about what I talked about a little bit last weekend, right? Uh, the right to abortion doesn't exist 
It never has. It never will because murder is not a right. And I think any reasonable, sound-minded person can agree that murder does not uh, is not an, uh, uh, an existing right. You don't have the right to hurt somebody. You don't have the right to steal from someone. Uh, so when we're looking at natural rights, we have the natural right to private property, mm-hmm. right? John Locke talks about this in his uh, first and second treatise, more so his second treatise on government. We have the natural right to private property. We have the natural right to uh, freely speak and think for ourselves. What you don't have the right to is free housing, for example, mm-hmm. right? And you say, well, I have a right to affordable housing. No, no, no. You have the privilege of affordable housing because you live in a nation that has been wise and prudent in stewarding civil government really well in the economy. You have the privilege of having that, but you don't have the right to it necessarily because the right to it means someone in order to make it affordable for you has to subsidize what you can't afford. So you don't have the right to someone else's labor just because you want it. Yeah. Right. And the same goes for healthcare as well. That was my next question. Yeah. Yeah. Healthcare is the exact same way. We don't have the right to healthcare, which is someone else's service. A doctor provides that service. Mm-hmm. Well, the doctor's got to feed his par- uh, his parents. Well, that too, but his family. Yeah. He's got to feed everybody that uh, is under his his umbrella of responsibility in the household. So what are you going to do? You're going to rob him? Well, he shouldn't make that much money. Well, that's a different conversation because that's usually what somebody would respond with. You know, they make too much money. Okay. And it's a very complicated conversation. I grant that. However, you don't have the right to someone else's labor because if you do, guess what we go back to? Slavery. That's what mm. blacks. Ha- that's what happened to blacks uh, in the fa- during the founding era, right? All the way up leading to abolition. They uh, there were people that believed that they had a right to the labor of a person because of their color. Mm. That's simply it. Yeah. So that's what we're trying to go back to when we say I have a right to free health care. Well, you're saying you have a right to enslave someone to give that to you for free. Mm-hmm. That's not okay. That's a really good point. All right. uh, Let's talk about justice. That has been probably one of the biggest catchphrases since 2020, I would say. Everyone's throwing that around. There's no justice. You name it. What is justice? What even is justice? Yeah. When I think about justice, I think about, um, you know, that, that phrase that was used three years ago in 2020, no justice, no peace, no justice, no peace. Yet simultaneously, while they're chanting just no justice, no peace, Mm -hmm. uh, they're flipping cars and burning down down everything and uh, looting stores, hurting people. People were murdered. People Mm -hmm. were killed across the country. I I don't know. It was in Oregon or Washington when they said, we got a Trump supporter right here. And then boom, you hear a gunshot go off. Mm -hmm. A man, a young man was murdered point blank. So, but what is justice? I want people to understand that justice is not just a political term. Yeah. It's a very spiritual, biblical Mm. term. My definition of justice, in essence, is um, God's idea of right and wrong, right? Leveling out the playing field. Mm. God getting what he wants because he's God, right? And so it's also applying the civil penalties to God's law, right? So when somebody violates uh, God's law, they're punished. That's why, again, we were just talking about laws, right? They violate, they steal something, excuse me, they steal something from a store and then you get fined. You Maybe you get put in jail depending on the what, it, what the amount was. But justice restores uh, restitution, right? Justice uh, balances everything out so that way we can have a peace, peaceful and civil society. And in fact, um, 
James Wilson, again, uh, he said, after conviction, the punishment assigned to an inferior offense should be inflicted with much expedition. This will strengthen the useful association between them, one appearing as the immediate and unavoidable consequence of the other. In essence, Joseph, uh, excuse me, I was going to say Joseph's story. James uh, Wilson is saying immediately after someone breaks the law, there needs to be a speedy justice. There needs to be a quick punishment because the association to what they did to the punishment will become greater. They'll associate the two. Oh, if I did that bad thing, that I'm going to get punished for it. If they know there's no punishment is coming, then they go, well, what's the incentive to not do this again? I'm going to go steal. I'm going to go hurt somebody. That, I mean, at, at just a fundamental level, we are, we're not seeing that when we, we are totally, ransacking uh, justice in our country. We've abandoned God's word. And I think that's the first mistake you make, right? Because then you don't have a grasp of what just justice is subjective at that point. Mm. And that's, that's where we're at. That's good. Yeah. I love it. (laughs) So I think the big one we need to hit on, what is Liberty? Yeah, this is a fun one because when, when I'm talking with libertarian friends, you know, I, uh, they, they, they will talk about, I love them. yeah, I do. I have a lot of libertarian friends and I do I mean, generally speaking, they have a pretty good head on their shoulders. Uh, but oftentimes I find them ignoring God's law and I find them ignoring, um, uh, moral law. Right. So let's take an example here. Um, you know, you should be able to do whatever you want as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. That's that's the definition of liberty to libertarians, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the NAPRL, it was a non uh, non aggression principle, I think it is what it's uh, called. So as long as you don't hurt anybody, as long as you're not the aggressor, you can do whatever you want. Well, that means you. I guess you can go, you know, fornicate with the same gender, sex, or whatever in your house, right? Homosexuality, free reign. Um, you can abort your baby as bodily autonomy, right? You could do whatever you want. That is, if if we're talking about, if if our nation is founded on biblical principle, right? And by the way, this applies to every nation. God didn't point out, as I find it funny when Christians say, well, I don't see America in there. I'm like, you don't see any nation in there that existed except for Israel. That's pretty much it. So when we're talking about God's rule and law, he's talking about all of humanity. Go preach the word to all the nations. It applies, the word of God applies to everybody. And so when we're talking about liberty, we're talking about what you ought to do, what you should do with your freedom that you've been granted, right? So, and and I want to clarify too, I think people go, well, nobody granted me my freedom, I'm born with it. Well, yeah, but God granted it to you, your birth, because God gave you the chance to be birthed. And so outside of that, yeah, you're correct. You're No one else granted you that freedom. Government, civil government exists to protect that freedom and that liberty, but you don't have the right to go out and do whatever you want to do. For example, you don't have the right to go yell fire in a crowded theater. You don't have the right, by the way, and this could offend a lot of people, but you don't have the right to go prance around in women's clothing as a man in front of kids at a library and then talk about sexually explicit material. That ain't your right. In fact, I'd go as far as to say you should probably be immediately prosecuted or at least charged with something and prosecuted and perhaps put in prison or worse. Like these are really bad things that are happening and there's no liberty in that because it doesn't serve the common good. It It's licentiousness that 
hurts the common good. It goes against natural law. It goes against the flourishing of mankind. It does not help mankind flourish. And that is what the word of God serves to achieve in our lives is a flourishing spirit, a flourishing family, a flourishing life. You know, none of that helps. So I think to wrap this up would be a good, a good point to say, why do you think the founding fathers developed our nation this way? And on the flip side, why are these so under attack right now? And how can we support these pieces of government? Yeah. So I believe the reason why they set the government government up the way they did is because they look back at other nations that have repeated the same mistakes we did, and they didn't want to repeat those. You have to understand the founding fathers looked back at Great Britain. They looked at Ireland. They looked at Rome. They looked at Greece and Athens. They looked at all of their ancient governments, and they said, let's take a piece from each and every one of these that they did really well, and let's fuse that together. And it took a long time. But it it's seemed to work up until about now, right? But keep in mind, that's because we elect bad leaders. We elect people who don't listen to God. They don't listen to the Holy Spirit. They don't pay attention to natural law. And they're, they're tyrants. They're oppressive. They, yeah. they wield political power to hurt people and to get their own personal gain. So the way we defend it, though, is we talk about it like we're doing right now. We learn how to communicate that to people. And then we show them the value and importance of it and how it applies to their daily life, you know? And in this example, we're talking about liberty, right? And we say, well, you don't have the liberty to go around and prance around as a guy who thinks he's a woman in clothing. And so they go, okay, well, what do we do about it? Well, let's talk about law. What laws should we pass to prevent that? How should that look? Oh, okay. And what is that? Is that law going to serve justice? Yeah, it's going to serve justice. It's going to balance it out. And so that's good. And that's, I think, a really a quick way, but a succinct way of wrapping that up and, and, and helping people understand those four features of civil government. That's awesome. All right. This is uh, the Foundation Series. I wanted to thank each and every one of you for listening to this episode. Um, this is the For Liberty and Justice podcast, where we mobilize a church, wake up the city, and take a stand for liberty and justice. 